Welcome to Brothers Red, the unique LFC fan podcast brought to you by Five Brothers. Liverpool have maintained their impressive start to the season with a 3-0 home victory at Anfield against a new-look Crystal Palace led by Patrick Vieira. I'm joined this evening by Matt, Fran and Andy. Guys, this felt like a huge victory. I say that because it was a fixture in the danger zone. It was our third high-intensity fixture in a week after playing Milan on Wednesday which was a great victory. And Klopp had made six changes to the starting lineup with a new defence uh, against the side who'd had no midweek game and were, were buoyed by an impressive victory against Spurs. And we know, Matt, from nine, the nineteen twenty season when we won the title, that these are just must-win games. Absolutely. I think it's a massive test when you play Champions League football in midweek and then to play then on a on a Saturday because it is it gives the team and it gives the other team an advantage because they've got a full week to prepare really so it kind of evens the game out a little bit if you like so it was just great to get that that win 3-0 I thought 3-0 was perhaps on the flex of the game a little bit flattering perhaps 2-1 3-1 might have been more more kind of um realistic but but still it was just it was just great to win post Champions League the, the other thing that we were kind of thinking about is, or we've said as one of the themes this season is, do we have a good enough squad um, to be able to continually win games? And on the basis of Sapi's result, we do, because Milner's come in, Simakas has come in, Canate's come in, and we've won the game emphatically, at least, at least by the results. So we passed that, we passed that early test, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with Matt because the Milan game in midweek was so intense. You know, the fans were really up for it. The players, that first 15, 20 minutes from Liverpool was outstanding. And yeah. there was elements in the game, James, where you could see, particularly in the second half, where Liverpool's legs looked a little bit leggy. Yeah. We looked a bit tired. So, as Matt rightly said, I think midweek game does give the, the other team, Palace in this hand, the advantage going into the game and it was such a hard-fought performance from Liverpool. Outstanding, really, in terms of not having the same back four as what we've had in the past. So, and and you look, Matt mentioned um, Canate. You look at him that he's coming to the team against against someone like Crystal Palace who have got a, a really tough um, front line and it was always going to be a tricky game for him and for Liverpool to get the three points and to, to get a clean sheet, it was um, just a great performance. Are you your favourite player, isn't he? <laughs> Are you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you? And uh, I don't know what Andy thinks, but Zaha was just moaning all the way through the game and the bento box as well. So it was quite a difficult front line-up for, for Canate to come in and, and to play against because they're all quite tricky, aren't they? Tricky players to to be up against that in your first game. So, cue uh, my negativity. Um, yeah, I thought Canate did okay in the circumstances, but I think my impression from his performance was I was slightly underwhelmed. I think that's perhaps due to the fact that he's probably not used to the Premier League. He had a couple of passes which were stray passes in the first and second half, but he did an okay job. As I think Klopp rightly points out, with Canate, it's going to be uh, very much uh, keep an eye on him and there'll be much more to come. So I'm not concerned about it. But just on your point, Frank, I think you were saying that 
he did well against that um, that trio. Um, no, 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 <laughs> no. Don't, I misquoted you there, Paddy's Brad. Not on tonight, so you can't misquote Paddy. So I'll have to interrupt you just, <laughs> just briefly, only because I didn't say he played well. What we're trying is to imply is that it's sort of um, for your first game to go in against those three. It's going to be really physical, very pacey. It's going to be a difficult, a difficult game to come in, as opposed to if you came in against someone like I don't know Southampton at home or something where the strikers are not as potent as maybe Palace are because Palace's front line is effectively their team. If Zaha doesn't play Palace, I think it's fair to say that Palace are, are not, they don't really have a plan B. So I wasn't saying because we rightly discussed after the game as well, Canate did look a little bit rusty. Yeah, I, I think also as well, the fact with Canate coming in, he's playing with an experimental defence because Trent misses the game uh, only three hours before kickoff because he's ill. So it's then a bit of a scratch defence, isn't it? With with Virgil, Simakas, Canate, uh, and also Millie playing as a, as an auxiliary right-back in a hark back to, to last season where we're having to shuffle people around. So I, I also think as well, Andy, that maybe Canate, because he had a few moments, which you'd expect difficult moments with Zaha, where there's one bit where he sort of bundled him over, I think, in the penalty box, and it, it could have been a penalty. I wonder whether that early chance that Zaha had, albeit that Canate wasn't involved, kind of, you know, put the fear of God up everyone, because it was a really early chance. I don't know how Fran, you and Matt felt in the stadium at the time, but I just wondered whether that maybe increased the feeling in the first half that Palace were more of a threat and also maybe Canate was a little bit shaky because we were just sort of a bit a bit shaken by what had happened early doors. Because when I watched the match back, I didn't think Palace were anything more than sort of mildly threatening in the first half. So I think really, Andy, that um, all things considered, if you looked at how assured Canate was on the ball, bringing it out, spraying it around, um, he looks like he's going to be a top player. Yeah, I think, I think my line on it, James, is that it's just a bit too early to say. I think he's got great potential. And given all the factors that Fran raised earlier earlier about um, first game Premier League, new back line, um, he just needs to get given time. And he needs, before we can uh, give a proper verdict, he needs to have that run of eight or nine games accompanied by one of the one of our key central halves. So I'm keeping um, silent on, on him as a player for now. But you're right, I think he did okay. Um, at the weekend, um, just on the defensive line, James, I wanted to come back on a, I think a point that Matt raised. Um, and I thought the defence did play well. And what, what I had a bit of apprehension and anxiety before the game at the fact that Robbo and Trent weren't playing. I know, I think with Trent circumstances due to illness, but because the, the fullbacks are so fundamental and, and, and cardinal to Liverpool's way of playing, I was a bit concerned that we would uh, our attacking play would be limited. It was quite the opposite. I thought we carved out a lot of chances throughout the game. We looked dangerous, even with the absence of those two full-backs. Um, I suppose that supports Matt's point, really, that um, whilst we were having some doubts at the start of the season whether Liverpool had the, were, were equipped with the, the squad to make a challenge, it does seem, um, certainly up, up until now, although I think we need a more robust yardstick, we need to perhaps examine this over a longer, a longer course of games. But it does seem that we've got 
decent replacements that they come in and did a decent job no um no less so really than, than, than Kaita. Kaita's okay coming in of course getting the goal at the end so um all around positive general i think yeah matt i mean before we get back into the match it's gonna be very interesting to see isn't it how uh, Klopp rotates his squad this season because historically, putting aside last season, squad rotation is not really something that Klopp does. He always seems to pick the same team week in, week out, you know, go with the same midfield personnel. It was normally Wijnaldum. He'd always start with the front three, even if they were, you know, sort of completely goosed. But in the last two games, he's made changes against Milan and then he's made six changes against. Um, Crystal Palace, you know, in a dangerous fixture. And he was saying after the match that it was that sort of tension between rhythm on the one hand and freshness. And he went with the latter. And actually at the very end of the press conference, Matt, Paul Joyce from the Times asked him about whether he had more of a mentality this season of rotating the squad. And he said, yeah. So um, I don't know whether you think this is going to be a bit of a a thing now going forward where we're actually going to see three or four changes um, from from match to match. Well, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be positive for us as well as fans because it means that firstly, trust, firstly, Klopp trusts his squad, uh, which, which is important, isn't it? Because yeah. we're playing massive games and he's, and he's shifting them around. The, the second thing is, I think he acknowledges that uh, there's certain players that he has to protect. So he's had to protect Van Dijk early on because of his injury. Um, he has to protect Robbo because of all the games he's played for Scotland. And the big one, really, he's acknowledged that he's got to protect Matty because if Matty, I'll tell you this, if Matty can play 30 Premier League games this season, we're going to be, we're going to be right, right up there. So I think it's really, really good that Klopp's recognised that. And he's actually thought, do you know what? Yeah, this season I do need to rotate to, to protect those top players. Even Hendo. Even Hendo might need a bit of protection as well. And uh, even Fab sometimes might need a bit of protection because he picks up injuries as well. So I think the other spin on that may be that his laser surgery on his eyes didn't go well. <laughs> and basically, he doesn't really know that starting lineup. Like now, he just keeps running on the pitch and just <laughs> kicking the ball. And Klopp's, Klopp hasn't got a clue. He thinks Jones is on the ball. Or something. No, no. I think what is on a serious note, what's important is that it's about using the squad at the right time in my opinion yeah. so for example you've got to bring so like to play Palace away and bring Canate in for his first game as an example for me would suggest that's a naive move it's like with Elliot coming into the team now I know he got that you know, it was a surprise for everyone but bringing him in in the, in the right environment in terms of the home games there's certain players that will flourish under the the atmosphere at Anfield and there's certain players who you need coaching a little bit more in the away game. So I think with the squad, it is it is reassuring that we're using it. And I think that there was a lot of questions because of all the other top teams spending a lot of money on squad. I think ours was questioned. But I think we are realising, Klopp's realising as well, the way to take into account as well is last season with the amount of injuries, the freak injuries that we had, we had to use the squad. So maybe it's allowed Klopp to to re-evaluate, can't even say that, re-evaluate the situation and um, and kind of look at it in a different way to say, well, actually, to compete, 
with the amount of games we've got in Europe as well, and maybe we could have a cup run this season. You've got to be able to to use your squad. I mean, look how well, like last season, Phillips did when he came into the team. Um, you know, you've got to use the squad at the right times. Yeah, and it, it keeps it keeps everyone motivated and on their toes as well. Uh, Simicast has played Andy um, again and put in a, a solid performance. I still think he's a little bit um, rough around the edges in terms of his ball work and his, his ability to retain possession, but. It's a brilliant cross, isn't it, that he puts in? It looks like it's a worked, pre-planned set-piece move for the opening goal because, you know, Simakas kind of arcs that ball in right to the to the, the the appropriate area to pick up Salah's kind of bending run. Great header from Salah, and it's um, a tidy finish from uh, Mane as well, isn't it? And it was a perfect time to score. Yes, when I looked at looked back on the replay it looked like it was quite a tight angle for Mane to get get it in but it wasn't just one of those it was a simple tap in it was quite a I think a difficult uh, finish which he um, dealt with really well but yeah I think with Simicast what I've been impressed about is that he's similar of a similar mould to Robbo in that he likes to get forward and he does really fizz those crosses across the box doesn't he um, so I've been fairly impressed with him, and it must it mustn't be easy him having this stop start. So he had a really good preseason, didn't he? He started the season, and then he you know, Robbo's come back in and displaced him, and he's then come back in again against Palace and did a fairly good job. And that's exactly what you want in your team. You want at least a stable replacement for the um, the first eleven should there be an injury. Yeah, I think Simicast has demonstrated, I think, over the. Um, the preseason, the games he's played this year, that he's you know, an okay replacement for Robbo, which is exactly what you what you need. Yeah, and perhaps he, and he still runs out quite early though, doesn't it, Andy? There's still times where he just needs charging up a little bit. But I think, as you rightly said, that'll come because um, with Robbo getting in the team, it's it's very difficult for him to get a run run of games, which gets your match fit, doesn't it? I think um, four key passes is pretty impressive as well, isn't it? Yeah. For him, uh, Simicast was a four key passer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he, he's very good going forward, and and it, and the, and the thing to say is he doesn't have any rhythm. So when he comes in, he 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 doesn't have the benefit of building up a relationship and uh, sharpening his touch. The point I made, I think, is he's better going forward. He's very adept at uh, getting down the wing. He's got a good little turn of pace on him. Got the ability just to carve out a little bit of space, and his crosses tend to be quite good. I noticed his uh, pass success rate was 69% though, which is just perhaps supports a little bit my suggestion that he was a little bit wayward with his possession. But come back to what I said at the start of the game, this was a potential red flag, making all those changes and uh, particularly with, with defences because we know that the reason why you get clean sheets, and you know, we've had a, a lot of clean sheets this season, which is really positive. Um, is it? Have we only conceded one goal this season? Is it, or am I um, am I mistaken about that? Is it only the goal at Chelsea that we've conceded? Um, I think so. Yeah. 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 So that's you know one one goal conceded from from five games is, you know, normally you think about consistency, don't you? You know, you've got a settled partnership, settled fullback, settled keeper, but for Liverpool just to put together that defence and, and produce another clean sheet was was so impressive and. Um, I, I don't know, Matt. I just feel as though um, Liverpool are looking 
as though they're in pretty good form now. They're kind of getting into the groove. They're getting back into that rhythm of knowing what they have to do each and every game. And, and that was sort of epitomised by the performance of Milner because you were looking at Milner and thinking, this is a potential weak spot. Uh, Trent, as he quipped afterwards, had Zaha-itis. Uh, but <laughs> he... Uh, <laughs> Millie did brilliantly against Zaha, didn't he? I mean, he's not always done well against him in the past, but uh, no red cards, and he was he was superb, wasn't he? He should have had a couple of yellow cards. Matt and I were at the game, and we were just laughing because he was getting away. Henderson got booked, and um, Milder just kept making like strong challenges. You know, one or two were were fouls, more than 50-50s. and. He just didn't seem to pick up a card, but I think that just um, just shows how you know experienced he is in the game. He's just an excellent professional, isn't he? And I would I, sorry, Matt, I took over what you were going to say. No, 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 I was just really impressed. Yeah, yeah, but you know, so many tackles, interceptions. Defensively, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Uh, he's definitely trumping Gary Mack, isn't it? Because because you know, Gary McAllister among Liverpool fans is a, is that kind of legend, isn't he? And Milner just seems to be kind of trumping that, doesn't he? Because to come in and play play right back like that is just is just amazing. And he can he can play left back as well. But I love I love his I love his experience, Andy, as well. You know, when Milner's playing on a Champions League night, you know that if it's you know there's five minutes to go in the clock, he's gonna be the one who's taking it down in the corner, or he's gonna be the person who kind of just goes down quite easily with a soft challenge just to buy a bit of time. If you remember that bit in the first half, I think Conor Gallagher, who I thought was really excellent, was kind of standing, um, I think it was in the first half, was standing in front of the ball uh, when he was about to take a free kick and he just, you know, hammered the ball. I beat it, yeah. Yeah, it's just that kind of, you know, that bit of, uh, you know, game savvy. Um, he's kind of just a, a wise old owl on the pitch, isn't he? And, you know, it... I think as well, the funny thing to say uh, finally about Milner, I think it flashed up on, was it um, Super Sunday or something or Monday Night Football, whatever. No, it's not Monday Night Football, was it? Sorry, Super Sunday. Milner was ahead, was first on all the metrics in terms of, you know, passes, tackles completed, you know, all of the metrics for the Liverpool team who's first in the team. And I yeah, think- I've seen something like that because he had looked plenty of touches, didn't he? I think he had like three interceptions, um, four four tackles. You know, Milner's stats after the game, James, not to inter- interrupt on you though, it was, was so impressive. I think he had over 100 touches. Yeah, he did. He was first on all the matches. But, but it just debunks this theory a bit with Milner, isn't it? That people sort of write, write him off as being um, kind of slightly over the hill or maybe he's kind of suggests that he's like a one-dimensional player. But He's actually really, really intelligent and, re- and and just has lots of quality, Andy. Yeah, I think if you look at all the top teams over the you know, past 20 years, there's always been players in those great teams who have been of the Milner mould. So they've been you know, really top professionals, you know, great leaders, great team players. And I think Milner comes within under all those banners. He consistently performs. He never lets a team down. He can play in, we forget as well, that he can play in multiple positions. He's such a versatile player. He's able to play in the centre of midfield. He's able to play full back. And he really is an indispensable player for Liverpool. 
um, both it seems to me on and off the pitch. And ju just to conclude on your point, James, about I think he's 35 now. I can very much, very much see Milner at least, this may be optimistic, but getting another two seasons out of him. Even if he is reduced to playing, let's say, a quarter of the games that he now plays, just to have Milner there for his experience in exactly those circumstances, James, in those tight games when you need a player um, to go in the corner. It's funny, though, going in the corner, because when the opposition team does it, it's such a source of frustration. And you think, oh, that's not very... You know, football like or professional, but when it's your team and Milan does it great, doesn't he? He knows how to buy the time, yeah. knows when to go down. The amount of times I've seen Milner James just go in that corner and obtain a foul for a flimsy contact, it's those type that it's the master of the dark arts, isn't it? Yeah, and you're only, you're only able to gain um, that level of skill, re really, from being a seasoned Premier League player. And Milner's right up there, isn't he? Would be, in my view, and um, Maybe a bit much for me to say, but one of the top Premier League players of, of all time, I think. Yeah, given definitely, definitely, because of what he's won and appearances as well, and and what he gives for the team. And even though Trent was missing, Fran, which is normally, you know, a big part of the way we attack. Actually, if you look at the heat maps for after the game, if you're that sad, you can see that there's a big sort of red blob still on the right hand side in the first third of the opposition half. So. I don't know if you guys saw that on the eye at Anfield, but still a lot of the play was going down sort of that right-hand side where, where Salah was, where Henderson was. Um, Hendo was, was, was doing something that he's done a little bit more in the last few games, which is sort of getting himself in, in and around the box. Same with Thiago, because Thiago had that chance, didn't he, where it was a brilliant interplay on the right-hand side, I think, between... Mane and Salah and um, the cross came in and um, Thiago basically nearly scored with a kind of great diving header. So I think we're, we're getting that. We, we, we didn't lose that sort of threat on the right-hand side. Still a lot of our play was going down the right-hand side. Yeah, definitely. I think we were all slightly concerned before the game for that reason. But I think Milner had like 19 sprints. I think he like covered <laughs> like, I think he covered like um, 11K. He was just... Yeah. Absolutely everywhere. And you're talking about um, a player, as Andy rightly said, in his 30s. And he was playing like he was 26. And, and yeah. it did make me laugh in what you were saying before, because during the game, um, with Milner, we had the free kick. And who did he ping the ball off? Uh, Gallagher, wasn't it? Who, who Gallagher. Looked, who looked he, a good he got player the crowd, the crowd got going when that happened. Yeah. So there's little parts of, of Milner's game. It's like what Andy was suggesting before about knowing when to run the ball in the corner. The crowd were all lifted and we were all cheering at that moment. It's and you can't beat that type of experience. That just that just it just picks the crowd up, which then picks the players up, and it's that knock knock-on effect which rolls on. And Milner for me was just absolutely outstanding. I think even Klopp said he was his man of the match. Yeah. Um in the post-match interview. So it just shows how well he, he played and and I think it was clear for everyone to see his performance. I knew you were going to slip in Thiago as well. Then. <laughs> You'll make Thiago. You couldn't wait to bring him into the uh, to the mix. No, no but, but back onto think... that though. Back onto that was just, just uh, because you mentioned Henderson. It sounds. It seems like that Henderson, Milner, and Salah were playing that triangle almost that we were kind of so excited to see with Elliot. Yeah, uh, I think that worked out really, really effectively because 
it was it was obviously Salah was was brilliant, wasn't he? Uh, Milner was brilliant, and and Henderson showed his attacking qualities as well. Put that great cross in for Thiago, as James said as well. And Henderson nearly scored as well, didn't he? At, at the back post yeah. where where cross came over, and he made the run and the and the keeper saved it as well. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to kind of still monitor that on that yeah. on that right side still. Yeah, and just something again to watch about the midfield players chipping in with goals and assists because we had um, Thiago last week. Uh, was it was in the box, wasn't he, for an assist? Hendo scored last week, uh, I think, didn't he? No, he scored in midweek. He scored in midweek. Sorry, yeah, um, too many games in one week. Um, so I, I just think, if, yeah, if they can if they can chip in with some goals, and obviously Naby scores as well. Um, which we'll we'll come on to in a minute. I mean, so if they if they can if they can do do a bit of that as well, a bit of the not just the functional stuff, but the getting in the box, arriving late, you know, providing assists, that's going to you know add add up to you know 10, 15 goals over the course of the season. I mentioned the midfield, Matt. Uh, it was kind of went slightly under the radar that I got to see my dream midfield. You know, the Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson midfield, and. I don't know, maybe it wasn't the right game for it to kind of shine uh, quite so brightly, maybe because of the, you know, the new boys or the new layout behind them. But um, it, there were certainly some ni- nice uh, passages of play between the three. Um, we're not going to see that midfield again for a little while because Thiago's got a, a not-too-serious calf injury. But um, I certainly enjoyed that aspect of the game, seeing those three together. Yeah, well... Absolutely, they offer all three of them offer different different things to the midfield, don't they? You know, Fab Babel obviously um, sweep everything up. Thiago's passing and his flair, and perhaps Henderson's runs and his kind of work on that right side as well. Um, so yeah, they all seem to complement. So yeah, it'll be quite exciting when when Thiago gets fit to see see how that midfield develops because that probably is our best our best midfield three. Um, so yeah. Obviously, it's quite clear that I'm not a massive fan of Thiago, and I'll just have this quick rant, is that they, they sing his name now at Anfield, and I, I don't quite think that he's earned it yet. He's a quality player, but I think to be fair to Thiago, you've got to you've got to give him that run of games now in the team. He's, given, he's had a season, well, half a season, because he had injuries last season, um, in terms of adapting to the, the Premiership, to Liverpool and Klopp's way of training and playing and I think we will only now start once he gets fit again start to see the benefits of, of, of Thiago and there's an interesting debate whether he is um, you know a good signing or not and I think at the moment everyone can it's clear that everyone can see he's got quality and experience I think one point to, to pick up on which I've noticed and you, you might be surprised that I'm actually giving Thiago a positive here <laughs> is that he doesn't seem to be making his as many daft, silly fouls. He seems to be a little bit more reserved now and, and being a little bit smarter with with his challenges, which yeah. you know is important because some some of the times when he's been playing and he's he's he just want. as an experienced player and he's just like nibbled at someone and got a free kick. He's and better. Just, he did do one though in the corner. I can't remember when it was, but there was one where he, he just sort of needlessly took someone out in the corner when there was two on one and it get you know gave them a dangerous three kick but um no I think he is he is getting better and he's it's it's all unsettled for him isn't it because 
you know, he's not he's 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 got a little injury again now and and the midfield's always changing. So we just have to give him a little bit more time to shine. But for me, he's showing his his quality. Matt, just going back to the game again briefly before I return to Andy, did you feel as though um, the game was in any real jeopardy in that second half? I mean, what was the what was the atmosphere like in the stadium, or did you just feel as though that that second goal, which comes from the Salah finish, was always was always on its way? Yeah, the second half was a bit of a non-event. Really, we were kind of quite quite comfortable. Thing. Nothing really, really changed, and obviously then we got that second goal, which was which was key. Palace had a few chances, didn't they? Didn't they? The the striker was quite dangerous, wasn't he? Uh, he came Edward, on, didn't he? Edward, came Edward, on. yeah, Edward. He came on, and he actually could have scored twice, couldn't he? Because there was a ball that come over the top that he kind of miscontrolled, and Ali did very well to smother it. And obviously he had a bit of a one-on-one with Canate, didn't he? Were Actually, on reflection, Canate did a did a good block. So I think Palace were always always had the threat, but I, I think at one nil, two nil, it wasn't really really in doubt. Um, no, but they did have they did have spells, didn't they? Where they were kind of menacing at times and, and quite resilient at times. But as Matt rightly said, because the tails would have been up against Spurs, get beating Spurs three 0 was quite a quite a big result. And Edward was it Eduardo. He he scored, didn't he? So yeah, I yeah, think him coming on, he had a bit of confidence as well. And Ali made a great save in that game. That was a time, James, when you're talking about what were we thinking in terms of were we were we nervous? Was that the early one? The one um, he... I think that was was that one nil or two nil? I think it was still was it one nil? Because he came on second half, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was still it was still it was still at a perilous moment because yeah, we, yeah, we, we were comfortable. Yeah, we, we were comfortable, but there was always that. That's what I'm saying. There was always that threat from Palace, wasn't there? Um, but I think, to me, you know, I've got a slightly different view of the second half than you. I think you may have just said it was a. We looked fairly comfortable. I think there was a, a maybe the first 20 to 25 minutes of the second half. I was nervous. I don't know whether this also translated in the ground or on the pitch, but. When it was 1-0, I felt very uneasy. Now, I don't know whether, whether that's because in the Premier League, you know that at any time a team can, can get a goal, but it, it was a bit of an uncomfortable second half for me. I know we got the two fairly late goals, but I think it was certainly in my mind throughout the second half that Palace just carried that threat, didn't they? All the way throughout the second half, it was Zaha moving in around and... It just didn't feel as comfortable as I wanted it to be. It had yeah. been 2 0 early second half. I could have maybe relaxed a bit, but it was one of those. This is why I was so happy that we got the win in the end because it just felt like to me in the second half that there could have been quite easily a turn in the tide. Had because there was one chance, James, if you remember, I think Crystal Palace was it Zaha? Well, Zaha had the early chance, but then Edward yeah, but had the one second one. half one where one of the plays just didn't. Yeah, Edouard didn't control it, did it? Came over and he was right in front of Ali, and Ali snuffed it out. I don't know if that was a chance that Matt referenced before. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just interested to see whether the the anxiety or, or the lack of about uh, Palace's uh, threat was was sort of uh, more exaggerated, perhaps because of the you know the fact that they they had these these couple of sporadic chances and 
and the fact that we hadn't quite got the goal because there's a little bit of a, an issue with some people about the fact that we've not been quite as clinical. I'm not sure that's well made as a point. I mean, for example, in the last couple of games, Mane's missed a great, you know, great chance from five, four yards out. Jota did the same, didn't he, on the weekend? And yeah. incidentally, I'll just say it in a sentence. I thought, you know, Jota the slaughter had a shocker on the weekend, to be honest. <laughs> he's just, you know, he's normally um, deadly in front of goal, but uh, he missed that great chance, as I've just said. And I just think that he just his overall play, just nothing seemed to, to be sticking to him at all. He just, he just had a bit of a nosebleed. It didn't matter, but... Um, well, it could yeah. have, though. That, that chance, James, as you rightly said, was... Um... I said to Matt, I don't know how the hell he didn't score that. It was just, he, he, he just, he, he almost went to smash it. It was, yeah. the angle was slightly tight, but he just went to smash the ball into the back of the net. And really, it just needed a little bit more composure and just, just slot it in. There was no yeah. tight angle, Fran. That's such a generous view of that. <laughs> yeah. I had to rub my eyes twice just, yeah. to, just to try and understand <laughs> how the hell he missed that chance. Your eyesight is really good, It's just an uh, yeah. it was just an open goal. But James, going back to the point you make, it really doesn't matter too much if one of the you know, trio up front doesn't have you know prolific game because as long as one of the other ones, so Mane, Salah, thought, thought played really well. As long as those one of the three, yeah, you know, played yeah. really well, that well, that's what's important. I think there's going to be dips, isn't there? And, it's and, going to be very unusual to have the front three on fire because no, it's it twelve nil. This, this is the thing, well, exactly, because it's like this, when we play five aside yeah. and, and I play well and score the goals, and then use for just huff and puff. <laughs> Fran, you doing all those cheeky uh, through balls to no what no runners um, <laughs> to no one. <laughs> yeah, no, but I I think um, in that in that game, you know, we won three nil. We got a clean sheet, and it was a potentially hairy, hairy contest. Uh, and uh, what more can you ask? I mean, and, and the thing has got to be said as well. Um, Jot, uh, sorry, not Jota. Mo Salah is in just sparkling form, isn't he? I mean, he's really menacing to use that word again, Fran. Every time he picks up the ball, everything about his work. Sound like Brendan Rodgers, oh, the boy's beautiful, beautiful. I love his <laughs> Is that just, you know, was that accent, James? You were trying to be there with that accent. That was supposed to be Brendan Rodgers, that, you know, I just said about Salah. <laughs> but um, no, I, just every, everything he does. I mean, there was a little, I think he was doing a bit of defensive work because that's another thing about Salah. You know, he, he grafts for the team like Mane and defence. But there was a little Cruyff turn he did on Zaha in, the, in his own box. It was just... Absolute class. His goal was a brilliant finish as well. And, you know, he's just um, on top top form, you know, and um, hopefully they're going to they're gonna give him the money that he needs to get this contract signed. But, Andy, going back to what we were saying about your, um, your indigestion, surely that was um, assuaged when uh, Keita kind of stepped up and knocked that volley in. It was absolutely sublime, put the game to bed. What did you make of that? Yeah, Paddy will, Paddy will be really excited now when he listens back to this. That I'm going to give um, Kaita some praise. But yeah, very tidy finish, wasn't it? Um, I think he had a bit of help from the keeper, I think, just touched it into the top corner. But, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> goal of the season, that Andy, up to now. That's yeah, amazing. Was that was very, very tidy finish. It just 
it just shows, doesn't it, with Kaita that he, he does have buried beneath, you know, uh, some of his more abject performances of, of, of late and last year. He does have that um, sort of diamond in him. He's got that, he does have that um, touch, doesn't he? He's got that, uh, you know, bit of class about him. And that was demonstrated, I think, with, with that finish. You know, on and the he moment. didn't even know he scored, did he? He was confused, wasn't he? He was like, have I just scored? Had to um, look around and he had the crowd cheering. Yeah, what'd you make of that, Fran? That look, it was a bit. I mean, I know someone uh, washed their mouth out, said it was like that Cantona finish that time where he chipped the keeper. But, you know, Curtis Jones just had a look at him, didn't he? Sort of Nabby pulled this sort of weird, weird sort of thing. I think he had the like the fans' reaction in his face, what all the like 50,000 fans were thinking after he scored. (laughs) The camera just went to him and even he was surprised that he produced the goods. No, it was, yeah, Ronaldo. It, was, uh, it was Ronaldo arrogance, wasn't it? It was like just, you know, just tilting his chin up, saying, "That's what I can do." I think, and that's more probable, James. Yeah, what he was what doing. you know, he's, and, he's... And, and probably Ox, Ox probably threw his Lucas in on the floor, didn't he? Thinking, <laughs> "That's it, I'm not coming on now." Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, all in all, guys, um, that was probably my my most enjoyable win of the season just because I, I knew it was one of those games where it could have been difficult and uh, we made all those changes, but just, just to come out with the 3-0 result. We, who have we got next weekend? Is it is it Brentford? Brentford away. Away. Yeah. away. Yeah. So, it's uh, a tricky game, that. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're newcomers. Uh, they're doing reasonably well. it uh, be interesting to see who Klopp plays, because I think we'll see uh, a whole host of changes in the week against Norwich. Imagine that um, you know players like Phillips and, and Origi. Yeah, it was just a surprise to see him in midweek. We'll get games, yeah. But it's um, interestingly as well. Finally, uh, we're, we're top of the league with Chelsea and also um, United. But our results in the five games have exactly mirrored Chelsea's, which is just an odd uh, quirk, I think, of the of the season. I think results and score lines. Yeah, what I mean by that. Um, so um, we can keep James, we can keep you know Salah fit and on form. We've got you know a really good chance this year because he looks as we've said, you know, magical and, and magisterial this year. Um, you know, when he took his top off, James reminded me that only I think your physique could have matched <laughs> Salah's. Um, just you know, he was him the way um, Salah and Mane have started this season is like the form of old. It really does yeah. build well, doesn't Mane it? Mane was good again yeah. on the weekend, wasn't he? Um, but, he, you know, Mane, Mane might, might get a game against Norwich in midweek in the um, in the Milk Cup, who knows, um, just to sharpen him up. But, um, guys, thanks very much for joining us. Hopefully we'll have Paddy back next week for the uh, the Brentford game. And, um, you know, the, the Reds are on a roll. Let's hope they can keep it up and, um, you know, get another win next next weekend. Up the Reds. You've been listening to Brothers Red, an LFC fan podcast. Your host was James Cullen. Contributors were Matthew, Francis, Patrick and Andrew Cullen. Music and production by Helen Lyon. The best word I can say when describe this was boom. <laughs>